Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. It's really good to be gathered with each of you for this time of prayer and scripture and song and community connection and listening for a word of good news that will be preached to us. We are all on Indigenous land, wherever you may be, you too are on Indigenous land. And here in Seattle, we are on the traditional land of the Duwamish, the first people of Seattle. The Duwamish live and thrive here, despite centuries of violence, aggression, and erasure. We recognize our identity, most of us, as settler colonizers and we seek to discomfort and unsettle ourselves as we work to be in repaired relationship. Please consider a gift to the Duwamish or the first peoples of the land wherever you are, perhaps even a monthly, regular, real rent payment. We're really fortunate here in Seattle that we have a real rent Duwamish option. And that is one way to show respect and gratitude for the land where we live, work, play and worship. We are in the Easter tide season. Like Lent, Easter is a season. In fact, it's even longer than Lent. Easter tide lasts for 50 days. It's a time when we get to hear some of the post-resurrection experiences of Jesus and of the Jesus-following community, the emergence of that community and the communities and the spread of this movement all over the Mediterranean region and eventually far beyond. And today from the book of Acts, we have a story of Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch. It's a story of travel and encounter on the road. It's a story of scripture study and encounter through the text of prophet, the prophet Isaiah. It's a story of belonging and encounter through baptismal waters. And we are grateful to Joanna Herriter, who is a Mennonite pastor in Kansas, for being our preacher this morning. Uh, I will introduce her a little more fully uh, during the sermon time. Let us call ourselves to worship. I invite you to join me from where you are, staying muted, of course, but speaking aloud this call to worship with me. It is from our new Voices Together hymnal, and the words come from 13th century Sufi poet Rumi. Come, come whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, it doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vow a thousand times, come, yet again, come, come. Let us continue our worship in song. Come walk with us. Sorry, everyone. I just need to check to make sure I have that share, that share sound box checked.
with us. Come walk with us. The journey is come walk with us. Walk with us. The journey is come walk with us. Walk with us. The journey is come walk with us. Walk with us. The journey is long. The journey is long. The journey. The journey. The journey is long. The journey is long. The journey. The journey. The journey is long. The journey is long. The journey. The journey. The journey is long. The journey is long. The journey. The journey. The journey is long. pleasure this morning to welcome Catherine into our worship space. I cannot say enough in the spirit of gratitude for you, Catherine. We've had so many COVID saviors who have come to our aid in community ministry when things were thrown into upheaval last year. And you were one of the cloud of witnesses who showed up were drawn to the need to stay open and stay present and stay welcoming to people experiencing homelessness when so many places were closing their doors. And that initial drawing in became uh, drawing in ever deeper <laughs> as you began working for with us at God's Little Acre, as we began to understand and get to know each other in a way that I feel like I feel total synergy with you. <laughs> you are an embodied whole life witness to the way of justice. Your, your household has lived experience of welcome, uh, building a detached accessory dwelling unit in your backyard to welcome someone out of homelessness into living with you at your home. 
And that kind of embodied witness and commitment is something that I have seen in you as you've come into the role of program director at GLA, as you um, show always great appreciation for what was and a great vision for what can be. So welcome here. It is really good to have you. This church needs to get to know you. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, it's wonderful to meet you all. Um, I hear wonderful things about this congregation and I just, I see the beautiful things you're doing for the community. Um, so thank you for everything you've done to support the Lake City community and the people in it. Um, when I started this work, I was driven by a sense of justice that all people deserve to be treated with respect and dignity and kindness. And I believed that I could deliver that in my role providing services to people experiencing homelessness. I wanted to be a part of the big picture of helping people and making my community better. What I didn't expect was that I would love the people, <laughs> uh, the individuals, the human connection I would feel with every person who comes through GLA. By nature, I'm an introvert and I never gravitated toward people or leaned into deep conversations. But as I've gotten to know the guests that use GLA, I've learned that there is a beautiful community here. My day gets better when our clients walk through the door in the morning. I truly enjoy being with them, hearing their stories, helping them meet their needs, just listening when they need to talk, learning what they've been through and you may all know or you may not, but they have all been through a lot. The community at GLA shows me grace when I'm learning on the job. They share what they little they have generously. They answer my questions openly and honestly and trust me to hold their words in confidence. They support each other and look out for each other's needs. And it's a beautiful thing to see. I once overheard two longtime guests at GLA talking in the space. One of them said, I need this place. Do you remember what Lake City was like before GLA? It really sucked. <laughs> he was remembering how much harder it was, what it was like to not have a safe place to go. His friend agreed. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do without GLA. I need this place. My heart was so full overhearing these two sharing this vulnerability. I know I have Pastor Jonathan to thank for laying the foundation of these relationships, building trust with the community and the guests and making GLA a safe place for people to be. Jonathan, thank you for everything that you've done to make GLA what it is today. I feel so honored to be part of the GLA community and to continue the work of offering safety and respite to people who may not have that anywhere else people whose right to exist feels challenged on a regular basis. I also feel privileged to have gained these friendships and to get to simply be with people I love every day. When 18 of our regular GLA guests moved on to the Oaks after a long wait and multiple delays, I felt an immense sense of joy for this next step on their journey. What an incredible opportunity for them to move into this beautiful space with case management and community and healthcare on site but it was also a great loss. These people who had been there since I began my relationship with GLA, who had laughed and cried with me and shared their stories and a part of themselves with me, 
no longer graced GLA with their presence every morning. It left a big empty space in the GLA community. It felt complicated to feel joy and grief simultaneously, but it's just one more thing this experience has taught me that we can grieve when someone moves on yet feel so much happiness that they have taken the next step in their journey. I get to experience beauty and love every day when I go to my job. And it wouldn't be possible without the support and generosity of our greater community, including you all at SMC. The people who show up to volunteer, bring clothes and donations and food, bake homemade goodies every weekend so the guests have something delicious on Monday morning. Not only does it make everyone's day better to have those things, but to know that people care, um, that they care enough to bake them pumpkin bread every single Sunday. <laughs> uh, and that's a really beautiful feeling. Oh, thank you, Catherine. I think there's probably, um, probably a few, um, uh, just like, full throats, full hearts, and full eyes among us. Certainly, I was feeling really grateful for that reflection and your experience, and it's so good to meet you. For our time with children this morning. Amy, I'm going to light our peace lamp, if I could. <laughs> Absolutely can. Well, there you go. People got a little preview. <laughs> Sorry, I was hearing the pause, and I was like, is it my turn? <laughs> I think I was taking a moment to just, you know, wipe away the tears in my eyes um, and just feel um, immense gratitude to you, Catherine, for hearing the call into this ministry and for saying yes, um, and then for embracing it so fully um, that you are just now in the community. You're just now part of it. And um, thank you, too, for witnessing the witnessing to the capacity to hold both grief and joy at the same time they reside right next to one another um, in my spirit as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and I wish I could stay but I am needed at the community center to support the program there. So I am going to head off. Um, it was wonderful to join you for a little bit of your morning. Thanks be to God and thanks be to you Catherine. Go with our blessing and our gratitude. As we light our just peace candle again this week, we acknowledge as we always do that we both witness to and we participate in, and we just heard that, participate in God's vision of a just peace for all creation. Today, we specifically give thanks for the ministries of community ministry, for the vitality of our community holding this together. And I also want to specifically name India, who is suffering through a worsening COVID crisis with lack of adequate supplies. May our world rise up to care for one another in the same way that we care for the Lake City neighborhood. Can, may that just ripple out. May our world rise up to care for one another, committing to equitable distribution of resources to quell this global pandemic and to bring healing to all, to each one. God have mercy on us. And together, we long for a just peace. 
we pray for a just peace, we choose to live for a just peace. Peace be with you all. And also with you. And now, uh, I'm trying to change my gallery view and I can't quite do it. Okay, well, doesn't matter. Everyone, the, the story for today, we haven't heard the Bible story for today, but you can see a picture here. I'm going to show the picture. I am going to be doing some drawing this morning as I have often been doing these past weeks. But first I wanted to show this picture because this is the picture. This is from, I know some of you have it, the Shine On Story Bible. And this is a picture of the story that we're going to hear Melanie and Jonathan reading in just a minute. And what I want to do is just notice some things about this picture. First of all, I want to notice that there's a person kneeling and there's a person who's laying hands on the one who is kneeling. And I remembered when I heard this story and saw this picture, the children's time that we did last week about laying on hands and how we remember when we worship together and when we bless people sometimes we lay hands on those people and do special blessings. I'm also noticing that the people, the person who is laying hands on the one who is kneeling, their skin looks different from each other. This person has very dark skin and this person has lighter skin. And the reason that is, is this is a story about an official from Ethiopia who had a very high position in the court of a queen. And this person had control of all, all of the queen's money. This was a financial official. And these two met along a journey. This person is named Philip. And Philip and this official from Ethiopia, they met they were reading scripture together, reading stories from the Bible and discovering more and more. Philip began to tell this official about Jesus. And when he heard about the story of Jesus, asked to be baptized, I can move this book up a little bit and we can see that there's water along the road in this picture. This person chose to be baptized to say, I want to follow Jesus more and more and more. So you can listen for that story. But as I was remembering the picture that I did last week about laying hands, I remembered that the color that I used to draw all the different hands, I used a black marker for that. But I want to show everybody something that I got this week. I got a new set of markers. And that's exciting to me because if I was going to draw a picture of this story, I might not have had the right colors to draw that Ethiopian official. But now I have so many options. So what I want to do today is make a picture sort of like last week where I make someone 
in the center. This is that Ethiopian person. People from Ethiopia mostly have fairly dark skin, different shades of brown and dark brown. And that's very different. You can notice how different that is from my skin. For sure, I have sort of pinkish skin. But if this person, if we were recognize this person from Ethiopia who has very dark skin and Philip, who was in that story. Now I have so many to choose from Philip who was from the Mediterranean. He was from the Middle East. He would have had more like tan skin. Can I find one that's sort of tan? He might've had lighter brown skin to lay hands and offer a blessing. And then I think I'm gonna add, I'm sort of, I'm more pink, a very pink skin. I can add my hand to this picture. And we could imagine if we saw the hands of all the people in our city and definitely if we saw the hands of all the people in our world, there would be so, so many different colors. And it would be interesting to think about. I bet, in fact, I'm sure that this box of markers doesn't even have enough colors to show all the different colors of hands that there are in the world. But just having all of those differences, some of them are so light, you can barely even see them. You see that hand? Quite light. Very, very dark. Might have done that one already. It is a blessing just to have all of those colors. Now, I know that not everybody has all of these options, uh, but you can imagine when you have all of these different colors, all the different ways that we can see people and the colors of their hands. So we're going to sing a song um, that I found in the new hymnal. Uh, the words are, because the words we wait to hear could shake us to the core, be with us, God, be with us, God. And I've written it kind of like a Taze uh, song in that um, we sing it. And then there's just some time to um, listen to the instrumental being played. And then we sing it again and then listen to the instrumental, sing it again. And I've done some improvisation later on as we hear the instrumental to kind of uh, express what I'm feeling when, when I'm uh, listening to the song. Um, and at the end, there's, a, there's two verses uh, that we sing back to back. You'll hear the, that uh, I've, I've harmonized them. So feel free to just pick a harmony and, and sing along with, with those. But mainly it's a it's time to, to prepare ourselves to uh, listen to the sermon. God. 
Scripture from Acts 26 to 39. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So Philip got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? 
He replied, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip. About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, Philip proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. For the word of God in scripture. For the word of God among us. For the word of God within us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Thanks be to God. What a great story. Ah, so fun to hear that from in your voices, Melanie and Jonathan. Thank you for giving that story life. We now get to hear a word preached on this amazing story from my dear friend and colleague, Joanna Herriter. Joanna is the pastor at Peace Mennonite Church in Lawrence, Kansas. And um, I've known Joanna about as long as I've been a Mennonite pastor. And we worked closely with one another for years on the Inclusive Mennonite Pastors Leadership Team. Um, Joanna has been a fierce and long advocate and ally for making space in the church, proclaiming the good news of Jesus that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer kin are, of course, part of the beloved community. And it has been a joy to work with you, Joanna, on that important work. Joanna is also a, um, a really gifted liturgist. She writes many words for worship. And we now in our new hymnal have many of those words in our hymnal. But um, what you don't perhaps know is we have used her words in our worship for a very long time. So her words frequently show up in our calls to worship and our prayers and things like that. So it's, it's just such a gift to have you here, sister. Welcome. Um, and God's blessing on you as you bring a good word to our community. Thank you so much, Megan. It's great to be with you all. I have to say, um, you know, Megan and I did this sermon swap thing and somehow um, she got stuck with the short end of the stick and had to preach on this kind of not the most exciting passage about church structure and then the really complicated stuff about martyrdom of Stephen. And I was the lucky one who got to preach on the Ethiopian eunuch. So I feel, I feel grateful for that. Um, this is such, such a wonderful scripture with the Holy Spirit's kind of just as the Holy Spirit tends to do, throwing Philip here and there to all these different places and that crazy scene with Philip like running along the side of 
the, the chariot as it's going down the wilderness road um, and this baptism on the side and then Philip disappears. It, it's just, it's a really exciting story. And for, you know, progressive churches like yours and like um, ours and peace here in Lawrence, um, for churches that are concerned particularly with justice for LGBTQ people, we have this affirmation in scripture, right, of this eunuch, a person who is a sexual minority, who is welcomed into the full membership of the early, the earliest Christian community. And I think we can fit ourselves really nicely into this role of Philip here, right? We're, we're graciously, and we are sometimes with great effort, reaching out to include people that others might prefer to keep at the margins. And I certainly think that that is um, a reading of this text, an important, possibly even an important reading of the text. But I also think that, that when we read this story as the story of Philip the inclusive hero, we can miss how absolutely amazingly faithful the eunuch is. To my mind, the eunuch's faith is even more of an inspiration than Philip's. And we have to understand um, that the eunuch is navigating a really complicated identity, even in his home country. Um, he, he's been castrated so that he can be in this high position in the queen's court. And so he has power, but he kind of doesn't. I mean, he's in a high position, but he's also marginalized because he can never um, have his own children. And that was such an important piece of how one would gain status and standing in the community. So I, I heard a YouTube video this week um, with Alfredo Valentin and Adam Coleman talking about the story. And I love this comparison they made between the eunuch and LeBron James. And they said, you know, LeBron James is this guy, like he can get anywhere. He could probably get a meeting with the president tomorrow if he really wanted to, because, you know, everyone loves him, this big famous basketball player. But he's also the person where someone can, will come to his house and spray paint the N-word on his gate. Because however powerful he is, he's still a black man in the United States. And there's always that piece of his identity that will be disregarded and marginalized, whatever status he might reach. And that's kind of where the eunuch is too, in, in his home country, but he's not in his home country in this story. He's on the wilderness road, which is very apt, but he's been to Jerusalem. And I assume since he was in Jerusalem to worship that he was at the temple, that would be the only reason to go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. So for a bit of context, here's a really fun verse for you all from Deuteronomy 23, probably not one Megan has preached on very often. Um, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose penis is cut off shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So obviously this applies to the eunuch. We're not, it's not clear exactly what the temple practice would have been at the time, but it's very likely that as a eunuch, and a foreigner, this Ethiopian eunuch would have been relegated to one of the outer courts of the temple. At some point, as he's seeking to participate in worship at the temple, there would have been a barrier put up for him because of his 
ethnicity, because of his status as a eunuch, he wouldn't have been able to fully enter into the assembly of the Lord. He didn't fit really neatly into the structures and the categories that they had for worshipers. Even today, it's interesting to read about the scholarship on this because contemporary biblical scholars can't categorize him either. No one knows, was he a Jew? Was he a God-fearer? Was, who was he? How did he fit into the religious landscape? We don't know. But I am just fascinated by the fact that even though he knew he would not be granted full access, he went to Jerusalem anyway. He made the journey to worship anyway. He made this amazing effort to be part of the community anyway. I mean, can you imagine spending that much time and money and emotional labor to just be on the edges of a faith community. Now, if any of you happen to be queer in a night, you probably don't have to imagine you may have been there and you may have done that. I am amazed, I have always been in awe as a cishet person that someone would love God so much, would want so much to be part of the community, even an unjust and messed up community that they would go to this extent, right? That this eunuch would go to Jerusalem knowing there were those who would prevent him from being admitted to the assembly of the Lord. That queer Mennonites would show up at convention knowing how they might be treated and that they wouldn't be fully welcomed in. It is a deep witness and a needed challenge to the church when people are willing to go anyway. Because as uncomfortable as the eunuch may have been at the temple, I can guarantee you that the people around him were also uncomfortable that he was there. And that discomfort that he brought uh, was a gift to the people in the community. Maybe not a gift they wanted to have, but it was a gift to them. The Ethiopian eunuch, eunuch's presence at the temple was a dismissal of Deuteronomy 23. And it was a reminder to the people of Isaiah 56. Um, this is just a few chapters after what the eunuch um, is reading in the chariot, but listen to Isaiah 56. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. A name better than sons and daughters, that's what God promises. So to my mind, the Ethiopian eunuch is definitely our model of faith in this story. He's a model because he goes to Jerusalem anyway. He's a model because he claims the sacred text as his own, despite the ways that people tried to use scripture against him. Even if this eunuch lived among generally inclusive, loving people, even if his home church was part of SCN, I can still guarantee that someone sometime has quoted Deuteronomy 23 at him, 
had told him that scripture is clear that he is to be excluded from the community. He has heard that message from the scripture. I'm sure that he did. And yet Philip finds him studying scripture. And I should point out that this is not like you or I can just grab a book off our shelf or pop an app open on our phone. I mean, this guy has a scroll of Isaiah in his chariot. This thing is expensive and heavy. He's going to a lot of effort to study a scripture that has been used to abuse him by other people in his faith community. But these scriptures were important to him, and he doesn't let the Deuteronomy 23 quoters have the last word on what the scripture means. He finds in the scripture the truth of God's love and expansive acceptance for him. And finally, I think that the eunuch is a model for faith because he's willing to ask questions. This whole, you, you could hear it, I liked the way um, they did the dialogue, right, in the scripture reading, going back and forth. You could hear whenever Jonathan was talking in his voice that, yes, was too deep for a eunuch's voice. But still, you could get the difference between all the questions that, that the eunuch is asking. And there are sincere questions, right? How, what does the scripture mean? Explain it to me. And there are challenging questions. The ultimate question that he asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Listen, the fear of rejection is real and it's deep and it can be debilitating for people, especially who have experienced that rejection before. Asking this question could not have been easy for the eunuch. We may read over it. I know I've read over it a hundred times as a rhetorical question, right? Oh, what's to prevent me from being baptized? But I don't think it was rhetorical for the eunuch because he knew that plenty of people would have plenty of answers to that question, that plenty of people would have a long list to give him of all the reasons that he shouldn't be baptized. And in asking that question, he opens himself up to having to hear all of those reasons yet again. It would have been easier for him to just not ask that question, right? They were having a really lovely Bible study so he, they could have just kept on and it would have been so much easier for the eunuch because he wouldn't risk rejection. It especially would have been easier for Philip if he hadn't asked that question because when we practice exclusion, it is just so much easier when people don't question it, right? It's really awkward when we have to articulate our exclusions and we have to say out loud the fact that we're not permitting people in and why we're not permitting them in. But thanks be to God for the faithful ones who ask the challenging questions, who will not quietly accept the status quo and who hold people accountable for their bad theology and their unfaithful structures. What is to prevent me from being baptized? What is to prevent me from officiating a wedding for these two women? What is to prevent me from being ordained, from joining this church? These are faithful questions. More gifts that the church may not want, but definitely needs. In her book, Queer Virtue, uh, Reverend Elizabeth Eadman says that authentic Christianity is and must be queer. And she clarifies that she doesn't necessarily mean sexually queer, but queer as 
quote, something that has at its center an impulse to disrupt any and all efforts to reduce into simplistic dualisms our experience of life, of God. So queerness is that thing that keeps us from making God too small and making our communities closed off. If those of us who are comfortable, who are centralized, who are categorizable, really want to understand the divine spaciousness and the holy paradoxes and the reality of our eternal God in this temporal world, then we need this queer perspective. We need the questions and the teachings of LGBTQ people, of people of color, of people who have been uncomfortable and marginalized, people who don't fit into our tidy categories. The Ethiopian eunuch, along with queer people and people of color and queer people of color in all times and places live in this both and, this fully not quite reality. And this is the space where God is. This is the space where our God who is both divine and human in Christ, our God who is fully present with us in the spirit and yet not quite within our realm, this queer space is where God shows up. And with all due respect to Philip, it is the eunuch that I most appreciate in this story. And with all due respect to progressive white cisgender heterosexual Mennonites who would not hesitate to baptize the Ethiopian eunuch on the side of the road. I'm going to agree with Reverend Eidman that authentic Christianity is and must be queer, that we need the gracious perspectives of people who aren't centered to help us truly understand the divine. So for those who show up to worship despite being marginalized, for those who claim scripture as their own despite having it used against them, for those who ask challenging questions despite the very real possibility of rejection, I say, and I invite the church to say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. I invite you to join me in this moment of reflection.
thank you, Michael, for creating that space for us to meditate on and integrate the spirit-filled invitation and calling uh, brought to us by Joanna today. Thank you, Joanna. As is our practice each Sunday, we invite you to bring your prayers into the community space through the chat, and we will include them. Let us continue in prayer. Karl Barth once wrote, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Indeed, may it be so. May our prayers empower us for that Jesus uprising, a Jesus uprising against all that is disordered in our world, a Jesus uprising for the healing and liberation and wholeness of all creation. We join in the prayer of Mehi Kim Court, heart of my own heart, be my sight, be my song, be my light. Soften my heart that it would break for your world. Lead my hands and feet to do the work that is poured out for the sake of your children. Make me brave, make me hope, make me trust, make me love. Heart of my own heart, hear now the prayers of your people gathered in Jesus' name. May we tell our children stories about abundant life, how it's meant to be shared, how it's meant to be experienced by every single human being. May we tell these stories, even if it means we might have to tell the stories that are sad and hard, because those are the ones that will shape their empathy and compassion. May we tell our young ones all the stories of abundant life with you, God, and with all creation. With Christian peacemaker teams today, we pray for all Muslims observing the holy month of Ramadan. Specifically, we pray for Palestinian Muslims who have been violently repressed and denied access to their holy sites by the Israeli army. We lament the horrific news out of Fort Wayne in Goshen, Indiana with a brutal death of Shane Nguyen. We pray especially for the Asian American Pacific Islander community in Northern Indiana, in our church and throughout the country who are again traumatized by the violence of white supremacy. God have mercy and grant us the clarity and courage to heed the call from kindred in our larger Mennonite church to act in solidarity. We pray for your holy wisdom to guide the community of Seattle Pacific University and for our SMC beloveds who are caught in the middle of challenging times and discussions and discernment. We hold in our prayers the Lake City neighborhood where conflict has emerged among some key leaders. God open for our community a path of understanding and repair and peace. We pray for the staff at the Oaks 24 seven for myself, for Kevin, for everyone who is continuing to create space to welcome more and more people to the sanctuary of shelter. As they continue to scale up, grant them clarity, courage, and stamina. May they offer radical hospitality to each one who walks through the door seeking a path toward home. 
We hold in our hearts and in our prayers our beloved brother, Larry Scheffler, following a fall, hospitalization, and surgery. He is being discharged to a skilled nursing rehab facility. Grant healing to his body and comfort to his spirit. May he sense your Holy Spirit embracing him and our prayers surrounding him. And we also lift in prayer our conference minister, Catherine Jameson Pitts, and her family after her mother passed away a week ago. We are grateful with them for the time they all had to say goodbye and pray that your spirit will comfort Catherine and her family in their sorrow. Turning to the chat. Notes of gratitude. Thank you again for Joanna, for the words that you bring and for your ministry in Lawrence, Kansas. Continue to be blessed in your ongoing work and your prophetic work there. Praying with Caitlin for her sister who was diagnosed with breast cancer this week, that it may have been caught early and be very treatable. Grant her, her husband, and kids calm as they wait for answers. Continued prayers for her close friend, Erin, who is about halfway through chemo for her breast cancer with major surgery awaiting at the end. Prayers with Sarah and Dan and Micah, thanksgiving, gratitude to be a part of a community of people willing to be uncomfortable. Prayers of gratitude with Michael Bade for the success of his heart surgery and his recovery, which is going well. Prayers with Elizabeth for her sister Margie as she struggles with the closing of the school where she has worked for 30 years. That's a lot of community to say goodbye to. Oh God, May our prayers empower us for the Jesus uprising. A Jesus uprising against all that is disordered in our world. A Jesus uprising for the healing and liberation and wholeness of all creation. Heart of my own heart, be my sight, be my song, be my light. Soften our hearts that it would break for your world. Lend our hands and feet to do the work that is poured out for the sake of your children. Make us brave, make us hope, make us trust, make us love. In Jesus' sweet, sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are a generous community. And we are grateful for the many gifts that each of you offer to our congregation, monetary and otherwise, time and giftedness and expertise and so very many things, having just come through some significant discernment and on our way, continuing on the path and other significant discernment, uh, we see the giftedness of how much you bring. And in this time of uh, meeting virtually, we're grateful for the opportunity to collect our offerings, our money offerings digitally. Amy has put that new URL, so you might want to take a note at that. We have a new sort of donation 
website that now has very cool photos. So even if you're not going to make a donation today by that means, uh, you should go check out the very cool photos because uh, they're really exciting. And thank you to Lee Murray for taking the lead on that. We are sent as we were gathered in song. Let us sing together. We will walk with God together. And those words that uh, Michael and Lisa are singing are slightly different than what appear in the hymnal. So we will walk with God together, but you're sitting wherever you are and you can sing whatever words you like. Let us walk and sing together. to select a benediction from our new hymnal that was written by Joanna. So I invite you to receive this blessing. Whatever wilderness the spirit has brought you to, walk in boldness as a beloved child of God. Walk in peace under the shelter of the Most High. Walk in faith knowing Christ walks with you. Amen and hallelujah and may it be so.